Episode 19 of the Bearded Carcast. We're back in school. Sort of, if the recording device works. It's working, yeah, it's working. We weren't expecting to be on campus at Winthrop University today, but the power outage at the Winthrop Coliseum forced us to go to Plan B. Plan B it is. What are we, we're in a, what is this, a lecture hall? What, what, what yeah. room are we in? Yeah, I don't know. We're at the basement of Johnson Hall. So this is the first on-campus bearded car cast. Right, it's neither in a car it's not nor a car. any of our normal studios. No, but you do have a beard. So. Yes, but you don't. I, I still don't. Summertime, we got nights baseball. Uh, springtime, nights baseball coming up. But you know, we as we tape this Monday after the Masters, we weren't invited to the uh, Hootie and the Blowfish golf tournament. Patrick Reed, no beard either. <laughs> no beard for him either. Patrick Reed, though, what an interesting story. Um, you know, if you didn't know much about him, it seemed like he was a great story, right? One of the young golfers breaking through. He had Jordan Spieth climbing up his back yesterday. What was he like down at six under, and he he made it all the way to. Uh, to 14 under, uh, but Patrick Reed, I tell you what, uh, you know, in doing some research on him after the Masters last night, kind of true to form. I mean, a guy that can block out distractions. Now, he does have a little bit of a temper, which we did see uh, over the weekend uh, at the Masters, at, at that, that drop where he <laughs> said that Jordan Spieth would have gotten the drop. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But a fiery guy. But I think what's great for golf, Dave, is – Having that villain, if he's going to play that villain role, and I think he's up for it. But why is he a villain? Like, I understand he's estranged with his family, and I get well, that he's got a little bit of an ego. But he wasn't, uh, from the stories I read, it didn't appear as if he was a great teammate either at Georgia or Augusta State when he was in college. Right, but he won, and he took Augusta State to the national championship. And even if yeah, they- but his but his teammates went to the guy he was playing and said, "Hey, we want to win the national championship, but we hope you beat this guy." Yeah, I mean, but on the Ryder Cup teams and the Presidents Cup teams, he's been the most reliable winner of the bunch. So the fact that they don't hang out and have beers with them afterwards, oh, who cares? I, I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that he's a. I think it's great that he's a villain. Because I just don't understand why the patrons don't. Like like him, all of the the stories I read were it was the most lukewarm celebration, yeah, and yeah. people just kind of left and went to their cars, and there was no giant roar. And at every stop, people were cheering for McElroy or Spieth or, or whoever wasn't Reed. I, I just don't get it. But I think it's great for the sport because now it's going to be a new storyline. If he's paired up against a Jordan Spieth or like Rory McIlroy like he was yesterday, people are going to maybe just watch to see that. But I get why people don't like the NFL player that's known as a dirty player. And I get why someone might not like the alleged drug user in baseball. I don't get it. What is it about Patrick Reed that people don't like, that he wasn't a good teammate at Georgia 10 years ago? That doesn't make sense. But there was also allegations of misconduct as far as I think there was an allegation that uh, he cheated or he he played he tried to play the wrong ball. And, his, and that was, I think, during a practice round with his teammates. But... It's it's but but it's a day and age we live in, Dave. I mean, the narrative. He, he might be a really good guy, um, but now the narrative. I'd hate uh, to know what people think about us if the only two <laughs> options are good or bad. Yeah, I don't think. I I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's. Uh, I mean, in golf, 
you applaud everyone. You've been to golf tournaments. Like, whoever wins, oh, Sergio Garcia, it's great that you finally got over, or or this guy or that guy. Like, everyone that wins, Justin Thomas, congratulations. It's, it's so weird to have a lukewarm response. But golf is – what makes golf different, though, is the, the etiquette portion of it, right? So it's he doesn't fit within that – he, first of all, he he's doesn't look like the prototypical golfer. But everyone right? cheers for Tiger Woods, who has a lot of baggage. But that baggage came after he was a celebrity. That baggage is is late. And I'm not just justifying it, but it's just that baggage came later. When he was emerging, he was a great story. You know, his father was a former Green Beret. You know, you know, a guy that brought you know golf to the masses. You know, that was a great story. The, the, I think the knock on Patrick Reed is that he's a me guy. And, and, and golf is kind of a me sport. I mean, it's an individual you're thing. You're the only one on your team. It's, well, you it's caddy. me against you. <laughs> it's a one-on-one sport. I just, like, he's got a bit of an ego. He's got a bit of a temper. Phenomenal. If that helps him win, I, I just, I, I don't really get it. And how about the weird deal with Nike? He wanted to wear red right, and they right. said no. no. Yeah, well, I, I, apparently all the guys were told to wear pink except Tiger. I think they were all told, and Tiger was the only one that said, no, I'm good, I'll wear my, what, my Sunday red. They were told that whatever you wear on Saturday, you were supposed to wear the same color on Sunday. So McElroy wore blue on yeah. Saturday and, and blue again on Sunday. I just, I, I thought that was very strange yeah. as well. And obviously, Tiger said, yeah, I got grandfathered in. I'll yeah, wear whatever I'll, I want. I'll do what I want. Thank you very much. So the Masters, we talked about it last week. If Tiger and Phil were involved on Sunday, ratings were going to be through the roof. The excitement was going to be tremendous. Now, I like golf. I like major golf. I thought the way Spieth charged at Reed, the way Reed responded, I, I was captivated. I watched five hours of it yesterday. What about you? Same with me. Um, I, I was in a pool with a bunch of friends. Um, and You weren't in a pool. You won a <laughs> pool. Well, eh. hey, um, the, hey, there are a lot of people that play various pools. You drafted Reed and Ricky Fowler. Yeah, well, there are, there are 11 guys, uh, and I drafted – uh, ninth. Yeah. So I got I got and I picked Patrick Reed. Excellent pick for my first pick, and then I picked Ricky Fowler for my second. Doesn't pick. Doesn't get him much better than that. You should have gotten a bonus. No. So here's the funny part of the story. So you you get three, and we drafted Wednesday night, and I you know Wednesday we taped the podcast last week, and I came up and back to go to Disney, because uh, I had some other things to do in town. So I was flying back Wednesday night to Orlando to meet up my family at Disney, and. The draft was like at 8.30. So I'm sitting on the Magical Express, which is the bus that takes you from Disney <laughs> to the resort. And, I mean, the only real prep I did was I looked at a couple of um, websites, and I think Forbes was actually one of them. They had the the odds of all the players playing in the tournament. So I said, great, this will be kind of a cheat sheet. So so I kind of wrote down a bunch of guys that I wanted and in kind of the order that I wanted them. And then I, I knew we were going to have to pick about 32, 33 golfers. So I, I went down to about 40 guys and, you know, crossing the names off. Blah, blah, blah. And um, so we get to me again. And now, again, so it's a snake draft. So we go, you know, go down, go back up. So I'm like one of the last to pick the final guy. And so everybody that I kind of wanted was, was already gone. And uh, and I looked at it one more time, and it said, as of Wednesday, these are the odds. I was like, okay, good. Because I didn't want to pick anybody that wasn't going to be in the tournament. Well, I picked somebody that wasn't in the tournament. I took Lee Westwood because I'm like, he's pretty dependable. I mean, you know, 
I didn't realize he'd, he'd, he'd already... So uh, did they allow you to redraft, or did you get stuck with No, that? I got stuck, but but and here's the thing. But here's one, the thing. Uh, but the scoring was based on two of your best three. So he didn't really... No margin for error? No margin no for margin error. No margin needed. No margin needed. I finished one, two. That's amazing. So that was a lot of fun. But So, so uh, you're a lot better at drafting than, say, I don't know, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> But I, I was captivated uh, for multiple reasons. I think I would have been captivated anyway because I've told you this before. You know, Roy McIlroy has kind of become my favorite golfer, so he was in the final pairing. Um, I still like to keep an eye on what Tiger Woods is doing. Um, he was kind of a great story, you know, the opening day. And then what Jordan Spieth did, you know, if it'd be interesting to see if anybody becomes – like casual fans come out of this because it, I thought it was just – you know the performance that, that Spieth had. I mean, he had a chance to set you know a 63 on Sunday, which has never happened at the Masters. He was unbelievable. Phenomenal. I mean, he, he, that was as good a Sunday at the Masters as you've ever seen, and it looked like Patrick Reed was going to be shaky in several spots, but he did. But he started out. He up. started out shaky. You know, his first tee shot wasn't great. Rory's wasn't either. Um, and then every every time you thought, all right, this is where Patrick Reed's going to fall apart, he'd get a birdie, or he'd yep. get a or he'd get a huge putt to save par. He I was mean, very he, steady. He, he did enough and, and held off Speed and held off Fowler. I, I I thought it was a great story. And then reading everything that people didn't like about Reed, I liked him even more because I, I I didn't get it. I don't understand it. I think it's I think it's great. But so here's the question: Yeah, Tiger wasn't there at the end. Phil wasn't there at the end. You were still captivated. What about fast forward? Are you now more likely to watch next week and the week after? Will you watch again the next major that comes around? Like, like, where is your level of interest in golf compared to a week or two ago? Well, I think the story, and that's a great question, but I think the bigger question is now if you see Patrick Reed you know, on moving day doing something, are you more captivated to watch on Sunday to see – what he does against the other guys, because look, let's face it, he's not on the Rat Pack. You know, I mean, he's not, he's not the Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson. Like, he's not in that Rat Pack kind of thing, right? So, this is why I think it, this might be a good thing for golf. I know you don't understand why he's, and I don't care whether he's the oh, villain I or not. I think you're villain. right. If there is a storyline, and if people, yeah. even if it's not right, perceive that there's something awry, yeah. yeah, that that that's a good thing. And I think he's the kind of guy, though, Dave, that can handle... Might embrace Like, it. he doesn't care. I, I, I think... I mean, everybody, I guess, to some extent, wants to be liked in some respect, but if he's winning and I think that's all that matters to him. If you read any of the story... Like, I read this pretty in-depth uh, story on him from... It was actually from 2015 that was really enlightening and kind of talks... It kind of brushes a little bit around the earlier transgressions just because a lot of that information just people weren't talking about. Like, who can you think of, whether it be in golf or another sport, that would have played that villain character? Like, who could he emulate? Mm, that's a great question. I was, I was thinking about that Isn't earlier. Is it a John McEnroe type thing? John had an American audience, but I think abroad people didn't like him. And I think uh, he's not as brash and out there as John McEnroe. Patrick Reed is not. But I think... I think he could take on that mantra. And I think what's interesting about him is, and I think he's gotten better at this from what I've read, I th- he has the potential to really blow up. Well, he's really, you really know? good. But but no, he, but I mean, like, but he's fiery too. I mean, right. he can, you know, yeah. he, he's, the, he's the guy you could totally see helicoptering his nine iron into, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> into the pond, right? Right, and, and in a sport with golf, which tends to be polite and tends to be a country club sport, maybe that's a good thing. 
Episode 19 of the Bearded Carcast coming to you live from Winthrop University in the Mascom Department. Power is out. We were going to do it at the Winthrop Coliseum, but we're over here on campus. I'm Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman alongside. Big Masters weekend. We talked about that. And, Dave, it's interesting, you know, when you mentioned about villains in sports because, you know, right now obviously we have uh, WrestleMania is going on, and we'll get into that a little bit. But when you, when you when we mentioned villains in sports, to me, even though he's not playing anymore – Arod was the first guy that came to mind when we were kind of thinking about this. Is and he fit in so many ways. I don't know that he was a villain when he was on Seattle, but then he went to the Yankees, yeah. who you either like or you don't like, and then he got in controversies, which you either like or you don't like, and that sets you up as kind of that ultimate villain. Yeah, the big-time villain. And it was interesting because... I, when he was traded to the Red Sox, now that trade later was vacated. Uh, the commissioner, uh, Bud Selig at the time, uh, negated. I wasn't a huge fan of that trade. And I remember I was with a bunch of guys. What were the Red Sox giving up? Um, wasn't it like Nomar? I, mean, I, I honestly don't remember. But remember, he was in Texas at the time. Uh, A-Rod was in Texas at the time. Um, but with some of the baseball people that I was around because I was in Kannapolis, and just from a pure talent perspective, I mean, they loved oh, A-Rod. Yeah. And you, you know, it was hard not to like him from that perspective. But where it really turned for him, I think, was the weight of that contract. And he hadn't really didn't really win anything until he went to New York. And it wasn't really right away that they won. Uh, you know, was it 09, I think, was the first championship they won with him? Um, so, I mean, he, and then you throw in – the Red Sox Yankees rivalry, and when he swatted the tried to get the swat the ball away from Bronson Arroyo, you know, it led to a big fight. I mean, that you know, th- th- there was and a, that stuff tends to be good for sports. Absolutely, but but it's the storyline issue. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we're, you and I are huge NASCAR fans, but I mean, you know, NASCAR is a sport that you want to have a villain. You know, a lot of people didn't like. Early on, didn't like Dale Earnhardt, and and so I mean, there were guys that either loved Earnhardt or hated Earnhardt. You know, it seems to me in niche sports, and, and let's be honest, NASCAR is a niche sport, and, and maybe golf and tennis to a degree are niche sports. They're not those big team sports right. that everyone watches. They have a little bit of that WrestleMania in them. There needs to be. But the difference a is that they don't. They don't yeah, have a script. Yeah. They're, they're they're real. Well, they, they, that's the WrestleMania thing. I don't get it. Like like. Social media online was blowing up last night because it's WrestleMania. Like, who is the audience? Like, I thought people stopped watching wrestling when they were 15. There apparently is a subset. There is an adult audience for what amounts to a um, a soap opera, right? Well, it's it's, it's it's soap opera for guys, right? I guess. Uh, you know, John, my son was in. He was into it for a while, and he's eleven, and that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, but I mean, there's a, like Tommy Viola, a good example. Our I good don't friend, get it, though. Who's the PR guy with the Knights? Uh, he's a huge wrestling fan, right? And he's a bright guy. He understands yeah. that it's not real, but I don't, like it's the same thing. We had this discussion with NASCAR. I don't get it. It's guys driving in circles, and I understand that like there's an endurance aspect to it, and wrestling there there's certainly but wrestling is more. There's a physicality to some of the stuff that they do. While it is scripted, it's still real. It's like athletic. you still have to lift a guy up and it's athletic. Like hoist him behind you, or you know, knock him off the top rope, or whatever. I mean, there's there's an athletic component to it. But I think what some people find engaging and entertaining are the storylines, and you know, the managers and the beefs and the you know, and it's the, scripted drama. It is scripted drama, which is fine. And if you like scripted drama, th- th- that's okay. But I don't understand why we consider it in any way sports. 
I, I, it depends on who you talk to. I mean, I don't think I think most pure sports people don't consider it to be a sport. They consider it entertainment, which is nothing which wrong is with fine. that. Which is fine. Yeah, I, but it, but it's active. but there are people. But there are people that I wouldn't say live and die by it. But there are people that certainly when WrestleMania is on or when they do like Monday Night Raw and but don't they have like Thursday Night Raw too? I mean, there's a lot of Raw. I, mean, and, I, 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 it doesn't I, I tell you what, though, you want to go people watch. Uh, next time it's in Charlotte at the Spectrum Center, go. Uh, I'd rather go buy just a go ticket. to Walmart and see what the people. <laughs> I mean, like, like, and again, spend your entertainment dollar and spend your time where you want to. But the amount of people that seemingly have an interest, don't they have like a twenty four seven like streaming service? And hasn't that been like a reasonably good business oh, for yeah. them? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, and you know, and then they merged. So right. So remember, there was different. There've been different companies, you know, way back when. Here it was the, the Crockett family who used to own the Charlotte O's. They were big promoters, and then uh, WCW and WWF were kind of the kind of the two biggies. And then WWE had to change to or WWF had to change to WWE because the World Wildlife Foundation, <laughs> had, had, I guess, it had got first dibs on WWF. And then so WWE and Turner and they merged, and uh, now I guess there's a, there's another. Um, I'm, su- I'm sure there is. I just don't. Who is the audience? Like, it's teenagers. I get that. I have no problem with that. But, but, but you know what it is? I think it's the, the same people that would consider sports talk radio to be guy radio. A lot of those people are the people that like to go wrestling. Yeah. And there's a large enough demo there that doesn't have anything better to do. It's, it's, and, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but it's, it's like brain candy. I mean, it, it's, like, it's just something to take your mind off. You know, maybe you're having a bad day, you, you tune on and, and see what's going on. So if you're like me and your baseball team isn't very good, the NCAA tournament's over and the Masters is over, and let's say for whatever reason you're not interested in the NBA or the NHL, some combination, those playoffs are starting in the next week or so, Where, at what point do you say to yourself, yeah, I'm going to throw on some wrestling? <laughs> um. Uh, you know what? I, I had phases of wrestling. I mean, obviously there was the uh, the high school, college age. You know, when WrestleMania started, we would. One of my friends, one hey, of the Hulk would, Hogan was like an. Icon. Oh, I, I loved Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he was. He was. That was my favorite wrestler. And then, so maybe that's the question: Why was it big then, and like seemed to go through the? Yes, this is a fake sporting event. This is bad acting. And why did it become such a big thing in society? Why did that go away? Was Hulk Hogan that enticing? But I think it was. It wasn't just Hulk Hogan, though. I mean, you had Hulk Hogan. Obviously, Andre the Giant. You had uh, Ric Flair was huge. You know, all those all those guys. Um, I would say the last time I was kind of really into wrestling was probably when we moved here to Charlotte twenty years ago. And so you, you were at that point in your but late twenties. Late twenties, but that was because I just started working at FNZ. Some of the other guys were kind of into it. We did some promotional stuff with um, with wrestling when it was at the old Charlotte Coliseum. So I've never been a diehard. So tonight or tomorrow night or Wednesday night or next week, you go home from whatever you're doing during the day. You turn on the television. What are you watching? I'm not watching wrestling. Are That's not w- my thing. I mean, obviously, I try to put a game on. Regular season baseball? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if the White Sox or you know, Red Sox are playing, those are kind of the two teams I like to watch first. If the Cubs or Dodgers are on, um, I, I like to watch those teams too. So, I mean, if there's a game, ball game on, you know, we, we have, I don't know, maybe four or five scripted dramas, like TV dr- dramas that we watch. Is um, it time to do our annual Bearded Carcass NHL playoff preview? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, man, the Bruins are looking good. 
I guess. Does anyone watch the regular season? I have of the not. NHL? I have uh, this. If I don't know why this year, I have not really paid that much attention to. Because I, I do. I'm still a Bruins fan, uh, but I, I have like not paid as much attention the playoffs, to playoffs. But I don't follow the regular season other than the Sedins are retiring. I hope uh, you did know that. I, I think they've retired. I, th- I think their team has yeah. been eliminated. Right. L- let's talk about this. They somehow in the last several years have changed the playoff format in the NHL. So all of the teams from the same division are in together. So the the division I pay attention to because I like the Sharks. I follow the Sharks for a long time. The Sharks play Anaheim. They're in the same division. And then the Vegas franchise plays L.A. Those are four teams from the same division playing in the same bracket in the playoffs. And you kind of see that throughout the the bracket doesn't that seem strange do you get I, I understand it like helps travel it helps for rivalries but I don't know that that helps you get the best teams in the finals I mean I, I still I like what they used to do when they would seed it one through eight right and then they used to um they would reseed They'd after reseed. every yeah that makes some sense that made sense to me so why would you go away from that well if, I mean hockey has done a lot of different things over the over the last decade, I think to try and not I don't want to say reinvigorate themselves, but you know just, just kind of further make themselves more popular, or draw an audience. I mean, I and this is going back years. I mean, I I still liked it when uh, you wore white at home and your dark jerseys on the road. Um, yep. But that was one thing they changed. And of course, they changed. How much Stanley Cup playoffs will you watch? Depends on who's in it for me. To be honest with you, uh, I mean, I I would be. So the favorites are like. Tampa Bay and Nashville. If those teams play in the Stanley Cup Finals for all the marbles, do you watch or not? I would probably watch Game One, and I would probably watch um, whatever the if there was a clinching game. So, in other words, if if it, see, I think if you watch Game One, you get hooked because the quality of play and the the drama is so. Yeah, good. but I could care less about those two teams. So now, you can't watch hockey even in the playoffs if you don't have some sort of hook. I have to have some sort of hook. Now, now the caveat, obviously, if the Bruins make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, I'll watch every game. Okay, what about in the NBA where it appears that your favorite team, the Celtics, are just too banged up? They've had another good season. They've got a great coach, but Kyrie Irving is out. We don't know that Gordon Haywood is coming back. They're one of the better teams in the East, but it doesn't seem all that likely they're going to be in the NBA Finals. So do you watch their preliminary series? I definitely watch their preliminary series because – when everyone counts them out, they find a way to do something, you know. So I mean, do I think right now are they in the Eastern Conference Finals? Probably not. Well, I mean, I think it, I guess I don't know this because I don't watch that much NBA Eastern Conference basketball. But them and Toronto and Cleveland are kind of the three big right. favorites. So they they could be in the uh, Eastern yeah. I mean, it's Conference not it's finals. not it's not inconceivable. It's definitely not inconceivable. But I and, think and, because and, of the injuries, the team that's most interesting in there is Philadelphia, a 50-win well, season right. for a team that had been tanking, and they, they have superstars. I mean, ben Simmons, ben Simmons is the future of basketball, and Joel Embiid, when healthy, is yeah. incredible. So let's say the Celtics in the first round play, I don't know who they're playing, Milwaukee or Miami or Indiana or Washington or someone like that. So you're going to be locked in and watch that series. I would probably, yeah. What about the other series? Toronto is playing one of those other teams. That game's on TV. You watching? 
I think so. You know, depends on what the night schedule is. You know, maybe tune in. Uh, but but after, if you're but at right, home yeah. and that's on, you're going to watch that. I will casually watch the NBA this year. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm a Warrior fan. Yeah. For the first time all season long, I think the Warriors are now less than a 50-50 chance to win it. And obviously, Curry's been hurt. They haven't been playing well. If the Warriors are playing their first round series, whoever they're playing, I'll watch that. But am I going to watch? Uh, San Antonio play Houston? Eh, maybe. I'm not excited about it. Yeah, but I'm it. not. But I probably have to throw in a. I'm not going to sit there and watch these games wire to wire. I mean, I'll tune in if it's if it's an engaging game. I'll stick with it. If it's if it's a blowout, I'll probably watch something else. And being the NBA, uh, I'll come back to it when it's about three minutes left to go in the game and yeah. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Do you like? the best of seven in the first round. It seems like the NBA playoffs take forever. Obviously, they do it for a little more generation of revenue. Yeah, I, I'm a more old school in baseball, too. I mean, I I liked it when they did the best of five. You know, in the NBA, I thought best of five was, was great. Because, um, you know, the team gets hot and you don't play well, you, you know, you got a chance at an upset. Um, and and if, you're, if, if you're a better team... You know, you get those three games, you get more rest into the next round. Did I always like the best of five. Did you see what the NBA G League, the developmental league, did? They changed their playoff format this year. Where they go? They with went to an NCAA tournament format, one and done. And that way you can get more upsets, and there's so much drama in every game. And obviously it's minor league sports, yeah. and the playoffs don't draw that well. But ESPN wanted it that way because they were televising it. Sure. They thought there was more drama instead of, you know, game one of Sioux Falls and whoever. Yeah. They, they, it, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, I think that's what makes the NCAA tournament so great. One game, anything can happen, and Virginia is out, and you get right. that 16 seed or that 15 seed, or Loyola Chicago can go to the Final Four with just four wins, not a best of seven series. But it's weird. The NBA seems to be chalk all the time in the best of seven format. Not the Stanley Cup, though. That's wild oh, right. every yeah, it's year. wild every year. But why is that? I'll tell you why it is. Because in hockey, if it's it's a little bit like baseball. If you have in hockey, if you have a goalie that stands on his head, like Tim Thomas, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, I mean, you could, there's a bunch of guys we could throw out there. If you have a hot goalie and and you're playing well at the right time, you can easily beat beat a beat a team that's higher seeded than you. If for whatever reason their goalie has a bad series, or even if it's just in hockey, te- actually tends to be more. The one nothing two one games in the playoffs. I think that's what makes it so exciting. I think why you don't watch regular season hockey is the season lasts forever, and you know probably two thirds of the playoff teams before the season starts. But you get into the playoffs, and most games are really hotly contested, and down the stretch. The games matter, and there's great drama, and there's great at stake. I think that's the biggest difference to me. Any sport, regular season versus postseason, it's the NHL. Well, and I think the other problem that hockey has is not enough people in most of the country have an opportunity to sample NHL hockey. If you go to two or three regular season NHL games, you're, you're hooked. The, the athleticism, the things but, that those guys can do. But why do fewer people have an opportunity? Because they're the franchises in Canada? Because there's essentially the same number of NHL teams. No, but for instance, um, so here you have to go to Raleigh to, to see NHL hockey. And you hockey. have to go to Atlanta and to see to Major to, League Baseball. But it's not. But baseball is in our culture. Hockey, If unless you grew up in the Northeast or in Minnesota, some places in the Midwest, hockey is not your 
hockey wasn't even a fourth sport. You know, I mean, now I grew up in New England in Massachusetts, where hockey. I mean, the high school I went to was known as a hockey school. It wasn't we weren't a you know we had an okay football team. Uh, it's won a couple of championships in football, but uh, Arlington High in Massachusetts is one of the top hockey programs. And the NBA playoffs, are you into that in the same way? Like, I will watch the Warriors religiously, and I will watch the Sharks to the best of my ability, but I'm more likely to turn on the random Stanley Cup playoff game knowing the level that those games are played and the drama that comes towards the end of them than the NBA game, which I think in large degree follows the regular season. What I mean by that is... The Denver Nuggets might make the playoffs or the Utah Jazz might make the playoffs. They're not winning the NBA Finals, whereas the team that crawls into the Stanley Cup playoffs, they can be the eventual champion. Well, and I think the other reason that makes hockey compelling, and maybe in this case more compelling, is just because the scoring is so different. You know, in other words, you know, a one nothing game is not unusual in a, in a Stanley Cup playoff. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, you can watch a 110-105 game any day of the year. Before we wrap up on the NHL and the NBA, let's talk about our local NHL franchise. There is none. Let's talk about our local NBA franchise, the Hornets. If you're a Hornets fan, why are you still watching? Well, it's 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 loyalty to the brand at this point. I mean, what brand? No, but because the, the Hornets, the one great thing that happened uh, was the Bobcats leaving and the Hornets name coming back because there was an affinity for a lot of people. I mean, you have people that were kids um, or even pre, you know, uh, you know, just being born into the Hornets. Then the Hornets leave, and now you have your team back. Aside from Kemba Walker, who on that team is worth watching? I mean, these are the most recent draft picks. This is the extent of my prep for this podcast this week. Frank Jackson, Malik Monk, Malachi Richardson, Juan Pablo Vallette, Frank Kaminsky, Dwight Powell, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, Cody Zeller, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Jeremy Tyler, Tobias Harris, back to Kemba Walker drafted in yeah. 2011. Does something seem wrong here? Well, they did just make a change. They brought in uh, Mitch Kupchak, the former Lakers GM. He's now the president. It's got to be worth a shot. Absolutely. And, and maybe maybe some new blood is exactly what the franchise needs. I mean, if you're the Hornets, and not the franchise, let's say you're a fan of the Hornets, don't you look at what Philadelphia did, which was tank like crazy and wait four, five, six years and now look like you've got an incredible future? Don't you look at that and aren't you envious? Well, I think what's incumbent on the Hornets is now that they have a new GM, I think it's going to be incumbent on him to come out and explain to fans what is what is his plan, what is his direction, what does he want hope to accomplish. And, I, and what I mean by that is obviously he wants to win a championship, but how is he going to fulfill all three of those? And if you're a fan, what do you want? Do you want the... I think there are some good players available in the draft. I think there are a couple of guys that can but help what, us. But what are the options? I mean, like, tear it down. But, but can you argue? The options are simple: trade Kemba Walker, yeah. be horrible for two or three years, accrue draft picks, play from the bottom, and, and try to amp up. I guess what I'm saying is, is, is there really another option? Yeah, the other option is the patchwork option, which we've seen. But in that's Sports been done. Forever. But but that hasn't really worked. Now the question is, and and this is where the team has to figure out, you know, what direction they want to go in. But it, it, the bigger question to fans is: Is there an appetite in Charlotte for that? And I I would argue, Dave, that if you put together a compelling plan, people will 
will subscribe to it. But will they subscribe to it if you are atrocious? The crowds already aren't that good. If you say, whether it's say wink, wink, nod, nod, or say without saying, hey, we're, we're going to be bad. We're, 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 we're going to tank. We're going to win 12 games this year. I, I think your crowds are 4,000 people. Who's going to those games? Well, it's going to depend, though, on, you know, this is going to be a big, obviously this draft won't be as important as next year's draft because you're trying to get the, the, you know, the top two, three, four picks in the draft next year. But it's, they're, they're in a tough spot, and, and they've been in this spot in the last couple of years because remember when they had Steven Jackson and Gerald Wallace and they were kind of in that six, seven, eight range and, and they blew it up saying, all right, we want to get to be the top four perennial. That hasn't happened, and I think that's partially why you see Rich Show's not here anymore. I mean, they have something like the 10th, 11th pick in the draft. That's worthless. <laughs> I mean, you, you're not. I mean, it's a lottery ticket, right? I may, maybe you pick someone good, and maybe you win the lottery, but you're not getting the DeAndre, Aiden, Marvin, Bagley right, 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 in that right, spot, right? Well, and and that's where this is. This is what makes pro sports very difficult because it's not easy to draft. No, no, I don't care what sport, right? And so you have to you have to do something now to keep the fans' interest for later. But that's so hard to do at 11. Like, how do you get jacked up over a guy that you're going to pick 11th? And I don't know that the Charlotte sports fan has the stomach for a total teardown and rebuild. I think they do because, and again, I think it goes back to that there is that groundswell of support for the Hornets. I I think people are willing, but I I don't know how many more chances the team has. Yeah, it's... Like, I I think if if they go another five, six years where they're, they're not in the playoffs... You don't see a lot of people walking around in Hornets gear. You just don't. I mean, I understand that this is a two-team market. They're the Panthers and the Hornets. But the number of people I see wearing Cam Newton gear outnumbers Hornets gear 50-1 to or 100-1. to Yeah, I mean, I I still see a good amount of Hornets stuff, but not, not like you used to. Does your son say to you, Dad, let's go see the Hornets? Uh, if the Celtics are in town, right? Does your son want to go to Panthers games? He does like going to Panther games. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. The Panthers have are more popular and more competitive. No, I, I mean I was kind of being somewhat facetious. He he does like going to Hornets games, but um, but he's never really. He, I, I think he's like a lot of fans here. I think if the Hornets, this, this like this how town goes players, nuts. How many players does John know on the Hornets? Kemba Walker and he knows Kemba Walker. Uh, he probably knows Cody Zeller. Uh, he knows Michael Kidd Gilchrist. How many Panthers does he know? Uh, personally, or just <laughs> exactly <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I just the, the Hornets are an NBA franchise, and they have a great opportunity, and they're not going anywhere. So if they're bad for three or four years, and no one goes, and no one pays attention, and they come back, and they have a Sixers like. Uh, no, but but here's the thing, and I know a lot of t- cities may say this, but this is true for the Hornets. If the Hornets could get to that spot, this town would go nuts for them. Right, and how do you go about that? Because everything they've done hasn't worked. They've never won a playoff series, right? No, uh, no I think they beat Boston early on. Not in this. Not in not since they've been the Bobcats and the Hornets. So maybe they won a playoff series twenty years ago. Yeah, that's weak. 
but that doesn't mean you stop trying. Now, I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't really follow them closely when they were in New Orleans. I don't recall them doing anything when they were in, in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I know that they're they're sort of right on that borderline. Like when NASCAR was popular, they were more popular here in Charlotte than the NBA franchise was. I don't know about that. With the going back, like when we when we moved here, the Hornets were still very popular. Like Baron Davis, that crew, um, they they still did fairly well. The the problem, I mean, the reason why the Hornets left was, you know, obviously they felt like the arena, the old arena on Tivola, which is no longer there, but it's not was like obsolete. the new arena is full. If you go see the two or three or four real big attractions, the Warriors or. Uh, LeBron or the Celtics, that place is filled up. If you go on a yeah, Tuesday but winning night has against to... Utah, it's uh, not close to full. No, but winning, if this team, if this were a 50, even a 48, 50, 51 win team, I'm not saying they would have sellouts every night, but they would have great crowds. And how do you get there? Well, you got to get talent. Yeah, and how, but but does that mean like? I mean, there's multiple ways of doing that. I mean, there's obviously. I mean, the most popular theory right now is the process is to just tank it and acquire assets, and you know. You, but the the trick is whether whether and it doesn't matter which pick option A, B, or C. Whether it's through the draft, whether it's uh, piecemeal, you got to have good talent evaluators, and and those guys, and you and you have little margin of error. It just it hasn't worked, and maybe it will work, but I don't even see the building blocks. I mean, the Batum situation, it was a good trade to get him, mm-hmm. and they didn't really have any option but to max him out, and now you're stuck with him. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that that's, you know, it's interesting. Aren't they a little bit like the Panthers when, uh, when Marty Herney, after the Marty Herney and the first, for the first Marty Herney tenure and Dave Gettleman? I mean, you know, Mitch Kupchak going to have to. I mean, there's a lot of work he's got to do between the salary cap and, but it, it's all going to come. It, it doesn't. But in, ma- in the NFL, teams actually go from being bad, the Rams, to good in a year or two, and in the NBA, it feels like the teams that are bad are always bad. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors were bad for 30 years, and then they drafted Steph Curry, but you don't draft Steph Curry at 11. Yeah. What'd they get him at seven? <laughs> Something like that. I mean, they only got him because Minnesota drafted two point yeah. guards ahead of him that weren't right. Steph Curry. Yeah. Thanks, David Kahn. <laughs> it's the Bearded Carcast from Rock Hill, South Carolina, with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Thanks for listening. Be in touch with the show. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com or hashtag Bearded Carcast. Follow us on social media and interact. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Baseball season is underway. More and more, it is just feeling like Otani is going to be the story. He was bad in spring training. That was the story. He's been spectacular at the beginning of the year. I think I read this morning he has more home runs than the Marlins, and he's playing three out of every five days, something like that. And, oh, by the way, he's pitched two gems. And what a fantastic start to the story. You know, the the decade for Babe Ruth was the uh, the the 19s, right? So, like, the 1918, right? And when I were in 2018, and it's uh, Shohei Otani. Who's playing like Babe? In fact, he's doing stuff Babe Ruth didn't do. So, do you buy him 
or not. Like, he was bad in spring training. He's been spectacular, both on the mound and hitting the baseball. Is he now one of the, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 best players in baseball? I think for baseball purposes, it's it's okay to get excited by him. I think we need to see what, what's he going to be like, you know, May 15th. What's he going to be like in the dog days of summer? I mean, I'm a big believer in the buy low, sell high. Yeah. So after spring training, I'm buying them. Right. Now I'm selling them. But that being said, whether you think he's going to be elite and unbelievable or you think he's going to be a good, solid player, how good is it for baseball to have someone marketable and interesting to talk about? Well, I, to me, the best part of the story, um, and maybe I'm a throwback, I love the fact that, and who knows how long they'll do this, I love the fact that he's a position player, You know, he's hitting, and he's also pitching. Yeah, no question. If it wasn't for him, though, what would we be talking about baseball-wise? Well, maybe the Mets. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the Red Sox have gotten off to a good start. Uh you know, Giancarlo Stanton finally, you know, had that big game after getting booed at uh, at Yankee Stadium, and that's a big story. Um, right, but, but I, other I, than that, no. But you're right. I mean, he's he's he is kind of the the one that's been the big so if you're story a, generator so far. If you're a fan of the Patriots and they start the year eight and one like the Red Sox have. It's kind of like business as usual. Yeah. The Red Sox are like 8-1, and one and, you know, they only have 153 games to go. Yeah. The problem is, if you're a football team as the Browns and they start the year 1-8, and eight, you know that the season's over. If your team is the Rays and you're terrible, what is it you're supposed to do the rest of the summer? Like, as an A's fan, right? Right. The A's are like... Uh, I think they're well. I think, and I think you have to temper the Red Sox because they've played the Marlins and the Rays essentially. No question. But if your team was supposed to be bad this year, right, and it has been bad, it's April 9th. The season has been going on for two weeks. Like, what does baseball give you that is a reason to continue watching if your team's off to a bad start and not not a team that was supposed to be good that's off to a bad start, a team that was supposed to be bad is off to a bad start. Like, why do you keep watching? Like, why do you keep watching the Cincinnati Reds? Yes. Yeah. That is the definition. That's why they call fanatics. I mean, people that are following their team when they're really bad uh, deserve, you know, deserve all the accolades when, for hanging in there. If you direct TV, you get that free, like, first seven or ten days yeah. of the season where you get all the games. So I've watched the A's a bunch of times. Now it's not free anymore. Season's over. I can go on to reading books and paying attention to the NBA playoffs. I mean, like, they're not a horrible team, but I've seen them enough. I've yeah. followed them enough. That's not a playoff team. Not going to be a playoff team. Why should I watch? I'll read the articles. I'll follow them on social media. But why should I dedicate that time to them? That's, that only you can answer that, Dave. <laughs> I can't answer that for you. I mean, everybody's different. Like, what? But isn't that the flaw in baseball? That's the beauty of the NFL. There's a reason to watch almost every game in baseball, and I love to have it on in the background, and it's kind of casual and low-key. But if your team is not in contention, and you might not be in contention as early as Derby Day, the beginning yeah. of May, yeah. there's just little reason to, to stay with it. Well, that's that's when you're tested as a fan. I mean, if you're really a fan of the sport and a fan of that team, you stay with them thick or thin. But it's understandable when, when teams year after year – I mean, how hard is it? And, and I'm not picking on the Reds. Um, you know, Pat Kelsey, the Winthrop coach, is a huge Reds fan. We, we have a couple other friends that are Reds fans. How do you continue to be a Reds fan? I mean, they have. I mean, when was the last time they made it? Jose to the Rio. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like the teams with Chris Sabo and yeah. Jose Rio and the Nasty yeah. Boys. But that was like 20 years ago. 
Yeah, that was the late '80s and the early '90s. Yeah. So that's a that's Rob a Rob Dibble. It's a long time for your franchise to be bad. I mean, at least Kansas City had that, uh, you know, World Series trip a couple years ago. Uh, so I mean, and that's a good baseball town. They fell on a, lo- a lot of lean years. Uh, you know, the Central's going to be interesting this year. I mean, you know, is Minnesota going to hang in there? You know, the White Sox are rebuilding. They're probably going to be at the lower level. Kansas City hasn't got off to a good start, but you know, again, it's only seven, eight games in. Um, Who is Charlotte's baseball team? Is it the Braves? Probably, depending on age, right? So, if you're an older, older person, um, like maybe fifties plus, you're probably uh, Orioles or Yankees, um, and Yankees just because they were the Yankees. Uh, some Red Sox fans, uh, the Red Sox were in Winston Salem. Um, for a long time in the 60s and 70s for the A-ball. Um, but I'd say most, like our age and younger, most people here that grew up here are probably Braves fans. If you grew up in an area that didn't have baseball, would you be a baseball fan? I, I would doubt it. And that, that's the issue. Um, I've talked about this on when I've done uh, shows on FNZ. To me, baseball is becoming hockey in the sense that uh, – Baseball used to be big everywhere. I mean, I'm talking like 70, 80 years ago. But as technology and as we've grown as a nation and sports fans, it's unless you are in a baseball market, uh, I think it's you're seeing less and less fans of whatever your regional team is. Now, one thing I was told when, uh, when I was working at 730, and I think this is still true, it, Charlotte, outside of the state of Georgia, is the number one ticket um, city outside of Georgia for the Atlanta Braves. That makes some sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the closest. Neighboring, yeah. big population. And my buddy, uh, my buddy Brian, uh, Brian G., he went, uh, he and his son Jack went last week to spring break, went to a couple of games, loved it. So the new park was great. So I'm looking forward to, I think John and I are going to be going there and Sam probably in September. College basketball is over. The Masters is over. My baseball team stinks. <laughs> I'm excited about the NHL yeah. and the NBA playoffs. But, Mike, the big news is Javier Castellano is going to ride audible. John Velasquez up on Vino Rosso. We're a month away from the derby. Really? I, now, see, I thought I called the uh, Castellano one. I thought I thought we talked about that a month <laughs> well, ago. Well, the, the way your pools are going, Mike yeah, Madison, uh, yeah, well, maybe you, I should. You, yeah, maybe you, I should get in on you, it. You should be investing. <laughs> get on that. Episode 19 of the Bearded Carcast. You can send us an email. It's real easy, and we encourage you to do so. It's beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Our good friend Carl Scribbler1919 has chimed in, Dave. Uh, he ha- says, uh, I have 200 baseball cards in pristine condition. What's your opinion? Should I sell them as a set or individually for $0.99 cents a piece? By the way, the cards are all the same. 1993 Manny Ramirez in his Double A Canyon, Double uh, A Canyon Akron uniform. Is he trying to say he has 200 of the same card? I'm not sure. And if he can get 99 cents a card, he should take that and run to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. We appreciate call for chiming, and you can follow us on Twitter as well at Bearded Carcast. We have 19 episodes. In the books, Dave. 
Al, it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride. Episode 20 comes your way soon, and hope you stay tuned to Bearded Carcast again. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. He's Dave Friedman. I'm Mike Pacheco. Thanks for listening.